Hey there, Compass. Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm so grateful to be joining you as I'm recording this. This is Tuesday, August the 27th. And as we look back at what God has done this last weekend at our Back to School Bash, we had almost 700 souls sitting and listening to the gospel being preached. And then they joined us afterwards to celebrate all that God has done in the life of our church over the last year and helped us as we look forward to all the things that we look forward to God doing this year, including our baptism service that's coming out this next Sunday. So with all that being said, we want you to know we got a lot going on. There's a lot of things going on. Midweek starts back this week. We do all of these all these events, all these ministries, whether it's students or kids or life groups or men's ministry or women's ministry or our Compass Bible Institute hybrid class that we're doing. We're doing all those things, but we're doing them because of this. The same thing we tell you guys every single week. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And all those things I just mentioned to you, every single one of them, are to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, church, we took a pause in our series through the Gospel of Matthew uh, to do a great outreach sermon entitled Invited, The Great Banquet. And we looked at Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, to look at the kind of priorities necessary to have an invitation to the great banquet of God. So let me read that for you as we jump in. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he said to his servant, To say to those who have been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have found a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Churches, I began studying this passage over the last week or so. Uh, what came into clear focus was our preaching point, which was this, that we must work diligently to ensure that we nor anybody else carelessly reject an invitation to God's eschatological banquet because we stubbornly choose to pursue our own ambitions. What we must recognize is there is no one who pursues the Lord, who trusts in Christ, who will not be at the banquet. And so that must mean something, church, that all of those who won't be chose to pursue their own ambitions instead of Christ. And so that's why it's our responsibility to make sure that we ourselves don't carelessly reject this invitation like those in the text of Scripture, but that we make sure that we just graciously accept the invitation, turning from our sins, placing our trust into Christ, and then we make sure that everybody else knows, and we compel everybody else to come in, and we go get everybody else, and we get as many people to be a part of the kingdom of God as God would have, as His sovereignty 
would draw people to himself and use us as a means for that. That is our focus. That is our mission as a church, and that is our mission as individual Christians. All of this sermon focus uh, expressed itself in three teaching points. Number one is this. Don't let excuses keep you from God's banquet. It is our responsibility, uh, parents to your kids, uh, family to your family, friends to your friends, you can continue extrapolating and going out to the ends of all of our influence that when people say that they want to wait to follow Jesus, all we're saying is that's an excuse and don't let that excuse keep you from what we see coming. Now, here's the big important thing, church, as you think about your responsibility to help people understand what they have as an excuse. Uh, people who make excuses uh, prioritize that thing that they're making an excuse to not be at for something that they want to be at. And it's in part our responsibility to show them that the glory that they are rejecting is much greater than the lesser glory that they're pursuing. Like we're going to say, we let no excuses keep you from God's banquet. Now, even as we look at this text right here and we recognize we have somebody who bought a field. Well, I'm going to tell you, you, you bought a field, but, but my father owns cattle on a thousand hills. Like, my God created the universe, and he has so much more in store for those who love him or are called according to his purpose. You leave that field there. You leave that field alone, and you come, and you come, and you spend eternity with my father. And the same thing, you know, in verse 19, I have, I have five oak of oxen. I got to go examine them. He said, you leave those oxen be and you don't put your hand to the plow and look back. You come in with me. We're going, we're going to see the Father, and he's got a banquet, and we're going to be there for eternity. Don't make these excuses. Do not trade these lesser glories for the great glory of God. And then in verse 20, I've married my wife, and therefore I cannot come. I mean, we see this even in, in Matthew and Luke as well, of like what's the cost of discipleship. And as a matter of fact, the Gospel of Luke, as you keep going down a few more verses, it says the cost of discipleship. And it says this, that anyone who loves mother or father or husband and wife or child or house or home or anything more than me is not worthy of me. And we're not saying that God doesn't have you prioritizing family. As a matter of fact, as you trust in the Lord and you place your trust in Christ and you're following the Lord in faithfulness, he shows you how to love your spouse and to follow your spouse. He shows you how to raise your children. He shows you how to work hard at your employment. He shows you how to love him and follow him, and he empowers you to do that through his Holy Spirit. So we're not saying we're rejecting our spouses, but we're saying that nothing, no thing that we do is more glorious and more compelling and more worthy of our attention than the banquet that God is inviting us to, to the eternal joy that God is inviting us to, that that banquet is going to be that consummation of that, the reality that Christ is waiting for this banquet to then dine again with his children then I'm going to tell my wife, hey, not only are we canceling our plans, you're coming with me because I want to get you on board and we're going to go. And we're going to go and we're going to go to the banquet of God because I want you to trust in Christ. I'm trusting in Christ. I'm turning away from myself and I'm surrendering my life to the Savior of the world. Will you come with me? You see, that's the, the attitude. We're not going to make any excuses. We're not going to let any of these things keep us from God's banquet. And if we're not going to make any excuses, that means we got to do this and it's point number two that we need to take God's invitation seriously. I tried to uh, spend some time articulating uh, being serious in, in the way that we ought to think about this parable. And in part, I did that through making the point that a parable may be a fictional story. 
but a parable is designed to connect common everyday examples to genuine spiritual realities. And so far from being just a fun story to make me think positively, to give me this therapeutic positive idea of life after death, Jesus is letting us see that this is a real future event based on whether or not you were saved from the penalty of sin in this life. I mean, there's the reality. And we got to take God's invitation seriously because Scripture says over and over again there are those who didn't take God seriously. There were those who uh, had some kind of uh, tacit, some kind of a loose connection with Christ who think that that's enough. I mean, we saw that even in Luke chapter 13 when Jesus says, when the master of the house and he r- rises and he shuts the door, you who are standing outside and you knock on the door and you say, open the door for us, master, he's going to say, I don't know where you come from. I don't know who you are. And then everyone who does that are going to be banging on the door saying, what do you mean you don't know us? We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. I mean, this is really people talking about Jesus. Like there's a lot of sinners and a lot of people who ate with Jesus who did not turn and surrender to Jesus. There's a lot of people that heard the teachings of Jesus that did not surrender to Jesus. Just like there's a lot of people who sit in our churches today on Sunday morning and they come to Life Group and they come to Wednesday nights and they come to our men's events and they come to our women's events and they say, we ate together with those who talked about you. We knew about Jesus. We heard the teachings of Jesus, but we never surrendered to Jesus. And what he says to those people is, I do not know you in verse 27 or where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place I'm sending you, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then he then transitions the the view to to heaven and said, you're going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom. They're going to be in heaven. They're going to be in the kingdom. They're going to be on the new earth as it is ushered in, but you yourselves are going to be cast out of it. You're going to be sent to hell. You're going to be sent to eternal torment. And then he says, but here's the good news of those who surrendered to Christ. They're going to be these people coming from east and west and north and south, and they're going to recline at the table of the kingdom of God. There it is. They're going to eat at the table of God at the banquet. But we got to make sure that we're taking this invitation seriously. It's not just a story. This is real. It's happening. And somewhere in history future, this is something that you can put on your calendar and you can bank on it. You know what's going to happen. And because of that, it's imperative. It's crucial. It's paramount. It's apex for us to get other people on board. We know the ship's going down. We need to make sure that we're not trying to get comfortable on the sinking ship that is the world we're living in right now. I don't want to rearrange the furniture. I don't want to sit and order a meal when this thing's going down. What I want to do is I want to point everybody to the lifeboat. I want to be on the lifeboat. I want to get people on the lifeboat. I want to get other people on board. And that's really what the master was doing when he says, okay, if they don't want to follow me, I want you to go out to the streets and lanes of the city, and I want you to bring them in. Bring, there's your imperative there. I want you to bring them in. You go tell them what's to come, the glory to come, the judgment to come. All of that is coming. I want you to go tell them. And then after that, I want you to go out and I want you to go to the highways and I want you to go to the hedges and I want you to compel people to come in. I want you. I don't want you to give them a little invitation. I don't want to say, hey, it'd be great if you could come, if you don't have anything to do. No, I want to tell you, whatever you're doing is not going to be nearly as good and important as this. Come with me. And God says, so that my house may be filled. I mean, there, there's, there's your encouragement, church, that we need to go get others on board. We got some exciting things ahead in the life of this church, but it is not even com- comparable to the glory that is going to be revealed to us at the coming of Jesus. And we want to make sure that everything we're doing as a church gets us focused on 
the kingdom to come. And yes, we're going to have full ministry schedules. Yes, we're going to be doing things all the time to reach people for Christ, teach people to be like Christ, and train people to serve Christ. But all of that, all of that is to help people take the invitation seriously and to get other people on board. And that's your responsibility. And that's my responsibility. Matter of fact, you'll see that on your application questions that you're going to be working on. I hope you're working on as you're listening to this and as you're getting ready for your life groups. That you, even as we look at question number four, when we ask the question, why would separating your relationship with God as his child and separating your role as his ambassador be a mistake? Why would that be a mistake? It is a mistake, but why? Why does Scripture teach us that as we are God's ambassadors, or even as we learned this week, his servants, his slaves, that that is part of what it means to be his child, that we are his, and he is our father, and we can go to him as our father, but he is also our master, our Lord, and we are his ambassador. We are his official regal representatives here on this earth to tell people, here's what the king has come to say. That's our responsibility. And to follow up on that in that last question on number five is how do you plan on improving your role as an ambassador of Christ moving forward? I want you to come up with a plan. I don't just want you to come up with a four or five or six word ex, uh, explanation or answer to that. I want you to really think about your life. What ought to be changed in your life? What adjustments can you make in your life that would improve your role as an ambassador of Christ moving forward? I don't want you to give the Sunday school answer. What I want you to do is give the answer that's going to help you move forward in your own life to be an ambassador of Christ. I want to encourage you always, make sure you show up, church, to your life group with these questions answered, even as I tell my life groups, the ones I lead on Tuesday and the one I lead on on Wednesday. I want you to think of something. Those questions are not just for you. Now, I want to add they are for you, but they're not just for you. As you answer these questions and you show up to your life group, you are using the answers to those questions as you apply them to your life as an encouragement for other people to apply them to their life. You're going to, in real time, be fulfilling the one another's of the New Testament simply because you yourself have taken the time to answer these questions and to focus on these application questions. And as your life group leaders are prodding and asking these questions, speak up quickly. Be one of the first to share what God has taught you through this text of Scripture and help people understand Here's how this has changed my life. Here's how I'm going to live this out. And I want to hear how you you guys want to live it out. When you read these verses, when you read these scriptures and the application questions, how did they move you? How did they compel you? Be excited to be in life group tonight. Be encouraged by one another's faith and encourage another's faith as you meet in your life group this week. Church, I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm just so thankful for what God's doing here. We see people saved. On a regular basis, we see people growing in their faith in a manifold of ways. We want to encourage you guys to fight the good fight and and run your race. We have some announcements coming up. We have our women's breakfast this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Kayla will be preaching out of the book of James once more. We want to encourage you all to be there for that. We have our baptism service coming up this Sunday. And I'm telling you what, baptism registrations are full. We have a dozen people following through in Believer's Baptism this weekend, and we want to see you there. I want to encourage every single one of you to show up and invite somebody to show up with you. There are going to be people that are in that baptistry who are going public about their faith, who those who you invite will listen to their testimonies, and many of them will say, that's exactly where I was at. That's exactly what was going on in my life. 
And when they hear in those baptism testimonies the moment that Jesus saved them, there's going to be many people in our auditorium, perhaps the people you invite who say, wait, that's never happened to me. I've never surrendered my life to Christ. Christ has never opened my eyes to the reality of sin, my sin, the righteousness of God, the judgment to come. This is the first time I'm hearing this, but it makes sense because I heard it from them and I heard it again and again and again as everyone is being baptized. And it would be the moment of salvation for people as it has a number of times up to this point. So I'm going to encourage you, don't show up by yourself this week. Invite somebody to join you. We have another baptism service coming up, October the 15th. And so if there are people that you know, maybe you're one of them, you need to get baptized. You haven't gone public with your faith. Or maybe you got baptized, or uh, like we like to say, you took a public bath before you were saved sometime in the past, maybe because you didn't know. Now is the time. We have another baptism service coming up October the 15th, and we have spots open for that. Or maybe you've recently been saved, and it's your turn to go public with your faith. Just like Jesus says, I'm going to go. You need to go. We need to make disciples. You need to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we want to do that. We want you to do that. And we want to help you walk forward in your faith in Christ. Two more announcements. Our Compass Midweek registration are open for the kids. Compass Midweek starts this Wednesday. So maybe as you're listening to this, it's Wednesday or maybe it's Thursday. Make sure you are there at Compass Midweek or coming the next week as you recognize our midweek is back. Adventure Club registrations are open. As I look at the registration numbers, they're crawling up, but there are half as many people registered for Adventure Club right now as there are Kids Summer Midweek, which tells me that there's a lot of you parents who have just not signed your kids up yet, and I want to encourage you, sign them up right now. Don't delay, because what we want to do is make sure they have everything they need, and to make sure they have everything they need, we need to make sure that we have enough time to get it for them, so don't wait to register your kiddos for Adventure Club. Last announcement, we have our prayer night this Sunday night from 5 to 6.30. I want to encourage you. I want to compel you. It's our fifth distinctive. We have a genuine reliance on prayer. If you have a genuine genuine reliance on prayer, if you know that nothing's happening outside of God desiring it and willing it, and God wills that you would ask them everything in prayer, if that's you, I want to invite you to join us for our prayer night this Sunday night. We want to see you there. We want to pray. We want to petition on behalf of this city, this church, and this nation, and this world on behalf of them that God would seek and save the lost, that God would use us as conduits for that, that God would meet the needs of this congregation, that we would be ambassadors eager to go out and make disciples in the Hill Country, in Texas, in America, and the world, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Church, I love you. I look forward to seeing you guys this week.